0: Welcome back to another Float Conference special episode. Really excited to have Corey Allen on today. We had a really cool conversation that spans a lot of different avenues. And um, what a just a cool human being. What a great person. And I think I mentioned it quite a bit at the end, but a very friendly guy who wants to meet all of us at the Float Conference. So for everybody who's going, definitely go say hi to Corey. Uh, Really incredible human being. and really can't wait to see him on stage as well. If you're going to the float conference, you might be new to figuring out all the different things, all the different components that go into starting your business. Let me just say that Helm is a product that we absolutely highly recommend on the podcast. The float shop has been using it and they are a wonderful advertiser for us. Helmbot is where you want to go to see the scheduling software that will schedule your float tanks, classes, LMTs. All that good stuff um, and I mean just things that are so specific to floating as well to your float center like keeping track of your metrics uh, water levels specific gravity uh, temperature all that stuff is captured in Helm you have a log of it and uh, peroxide levels of course is an important one that we're testing throughout the day so Helm is a uh, piece of software that you should, if you're starting your business, book a session with them right away, talk with them, make sure it's a good fit for you. Uh, my guess is it absolutely will be. Again, we're, we're big uh, fans of Helmbot. And if you already use Helm, a couple cool things, or a couple important things. One is just to know that opt-ins are now required for uh, texting. This is not a Helm-specific thing. This is across the country, new, new rules, maybe laws even. Basically, what you need to do is make sure that you at least have verbal confirmation from your clients to um, send them text messages or else uh, when they when you create an account, it will automatically not opt them in. When they log in, it will now ask them to opt in, um, but they have to click that option the next time they log into Helm. So um, you might see a large decrease in text messages going out and just talk to your clients and make sure you get that confirmation so you can click that on and make sure it's all legal and above board. Also, just one other quick Cool thing. LMTs can now manually uh, start a client after the start time. Um, I don't know if this has come up for you or not. It definitely comes up for us at the shop where a client uh, comes in, maybe they're running late, a walk in, something like that, and then we want to add it in later. Now the LMT can actually uh, do that themselves and put them on the schedule, which is really cool. And then we just have more accurate uh, scheduling. So that's perfect, which is great for when you're doing payouts and all of that. Also want to shout out the FTA. The FTA of course is gonna be at the Float Conference. We love the FTA as well. They are the group that is helping out the entire industry, uh, whether it's with research information, oh, really excited for uh, some of the information that's gonna come out at the Float Conference this year, as well as just helping you start your Float Center as well. Uh, a huge part of what the FTA exists for is to help start your center, make sure that you're successful, make sure that you're doing everything legally above board, all of that stuff. and. They have a lot of resources to check out. So definitely check out the Float Association at flotation.org. Great nonprofit organization that's helping us. And I highly, highly encourage you to sign up as a member, too, uh, to to contribute a little bit of money every month into into what they're doing so that they can help our industry as a whole. Same thing like with LMTs. We saw LMTs be something that's incredibly fringe uh, not that long ago to becoming a recognized professional organization that is, you know, billing through insurance and all of that is recognized as sound science for wellness. So please contribute to flotation.org to the FTA. Uh, They're wonderful and can't wait to see everybody there. Oh, speaking of which, there is like a private little FTA members only get together. So sign up for the FTA before the float conference so we can all get together and have some snacks and perhaps a drink at the float conference. All right, really excited to play this episode with Corey. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. My name is Dylan, and I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon with my wife Sandra for I think coming up on 12 years, might be 13, can't remember anymore. But uh, today, I'm really excited that we have another Float Conference special guest. This one, a very special guest, Corey Allen, is joining us. Welcome to the pod, Corey.
1: Hey, thank you very much, man. Glad to be here.
0: And Co- Corey and I just had a really fun conversation before recording um, <laughs> about a whole bunch of things. I'm, I'm really excited to dive into his life and everything he does and, and offers. Um, you know, just one of the funny things is that he has been recording for nine, ten years. Is that what you said? Yeah, the podcast, um, yeah yeah excuse me, podcasting, yeah um which um I think is kind of before everybody ended up having a podcast yeah. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you were ahead of the curve on that um, yeah. how did you um how did you decide to start a podcast, and where did you even like what did you feel like you wanted to to share with the world
1: yeah, I mean, it basically happened very organically, so back then, uh, as you said, it was definitely the wild west of podcasting mm-hmm. and um i had a friend who had a podcast that was pretty successful at the time and so he would ask me to come on to his podcast as a guest all the time and so i did that i was actually the first guest on his podcast a guy named Aubrey yes. marcus that started on it and all, all these other companies okay, so yeah we know <laughs> um, <laughs> oh cool so um so i would go on his podcast all the time back in the day and then uh uh, eventually like his fans would reach out to me and they're like hey you should start a podcast too and I, I, I was like okay you know I'll do that just for fun and um, I started doing it and it just grew really quickly because mm-hmm. I started off with a fan base and then within three years I think I got like written up in the New York Times as well and so wow. it just kind of grew really fast and uh, as you said there was a lot of space in the industry back then Mm -hmm. and um you could like talk about whatever you wanted like whatever your interests (laughs) were and that would
0: be my follow-up question is yeah what uh why was aubrey having you on what was he finding what insights did you have that he found interesting that then your audience was like hey why don't you have your own podcast yeah any (laughs) kind of aim or was it just
1: (laughs) open-ended we were talking about i mean i mean it's a funny story is that like he i don't remember how we got connected but he was t- trying to figure out how to set up his audio gear, like his podcasting gear, yeah. and um, I was like, I'll I'll help you set it up, like I was at the time, you know, I had my own uh, production studio, and, and it was yeah. like, I'll help you set it up, you know, you got, you're into, we're into similar things, and so I went over to his house, and uh, just set up his gear on his kitchen table, and again, this is like 12 nice. years <laughs> ago, or something like that, and um, so we just And on it, the company started had, I think it was like a year old at that point. And, um, yeah, he took me over to their office where it was only like, I don't know, 600 square feet, maybe two employees other than him. And they only had three products, (laughs) you know, so (laughs) I've definitely seen it from the beginning. It was, it was wild, the the journey, but anyway, point is, is that we had the gear set up and then we just said, I said, let's test it real quick. And so we both got on the mic, I hit record and uh, we started talking and we just kept talking and that was the first nice. episode of this podcast and so nice. you know we were talking about consciousness about psychedelics mm-hmm. about just eastern wisdom traditions you know all those type of things
0: and you said that you've been pra- sorry again i'm referencing a pre pre-recorded <laughs> conversation but you've been practicing meditation for did you say 20 25 years
1: 25 and yeah about 25, 25 years
0: yeah and how did you even find yourself there
1: uh, just through curious. necessity, yeah, through uh, necessity, curiosity, um, chance. I don't know, like random chance. <laughs> Shout out to randomness. Um, nice. you know, it was just my the environment I was in at the time. You know, it was a lot of anxiety, a lot of tension, um, and so I was looking for a way to. I think. Ease that feeling of tension and anxiety while also getting more in tune with my own inner life and expanding my consciousness. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was reading like Western philosophy first, and then Mm -hmm. that stuff led me to various Eastern wisdom traditions. Which then at the time, you know, this is like the late 90s, and so there was no google there was no youtube videos on meditation there was nothing like that it was literally like get a weird esoteric book on meditation that doesn't talk about there's no steps yeah. you know it's just like vague descriptions of states mm-hmm. and and things like that Interesting, and i would like okay. read that and try and just huh. understand the debate like the foundational concepts and like that led me to reading trans- like commentaries of the Pali canon like what is m- meditation where did it originate from? Like, why is this a thing? How did, like, Buddha come up with this thing? And so that's what I was, and I would I loved, like, Zen, too, because I was way into Nietzsche at the time. And so uh, Zen Buddhism also, or Zen in particular, also spoke to me a lot because it appeared to be much more intellectual and sterile, which turned out later to not be a great way to start your path. But um, so I, I basically just learned out of books like that. What, why? What's up?
0: Why Why not so?
1: Yeah, because um, you have to open the heart before you open the mind. That's a, a good approach. Okay. And I had someone, you might actually know who this is. So people don't really know who this is these days, but I was uh, briefly mentored by Robert Anton Wilson, the author that wrote the Illuminati's trilogy and Cosmic Trigger. He was sort of like a Terrence McKenna uh, type oh, wow. figure. okay. Yeah right. Um, so people who know who he is loving. <laughs> nice.
0: I think I know him based off YouTube videos about him
1: actually. Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> um, um, from, from, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, so all that all that stuff. It, it just um, it all led me there, and it was it was interesting. Is they you know back in the day of reading in books about meditation, there was no like links to get to another webpage, but like the link in those days was right. like one. You know, like, you know, Zen Master would mention another one or something, and you'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to go find a book by that guy." Like nice. that was the hyperlink of the day. <laughs> totally. that's,
0: that's awesome. And then you have to go to the bookstore or go to the library to totally. actually find it or order it yep. to to make it happen. Yep. Totally. And and uh, so. Do you know what was driving your interest at that time? Like, what was? I feel like every action needs like a a push and a pull for us to to make make a choice to do something. And this it seems like it kept it kept having that pull to to continue. What was that? There must have been some kind of a, a zeitgeist in your life driving you or, or pushing you in that direction.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it was, yeah, wanting to explore like wanting to understand why I felt the way I did and recognizing, Mm -hmm. I think early on I just had an intuitive awareness that there was more to my mind and my inner life than I was aware of. And so I was seeking meditative practices because I understood at the time like, that's supposed to help you feel like peaceful, whatever that means. Like I didn't, you know, it's like that you're supposed to, that means relaxed. Like that's what I want to feel because I'm freaking out here. <laughs> I'm constantly like full of tension. Yeah, okay. And so I was like trying to go towards that, but I also yeah. had a fascination with, you know, things that were mystical and like esoteric at the time. And, um, then I was just obsessed with the idea of consciousness. Like even just the hard problem of consciousness was, fascinating to me just thinking about like how is it possible that a collection of 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 cells which are readily available also out in the world somehow when organized together in such a way <laughs> creates an the online awareness of a of a sentient being and so i really liked exploring that as well so it's a mixture of like the needing kind of the medicinal aspect of it to f- undo and let go and become grounded and less reactive and then the voyaging mentality of trying to understand out of fascination what my consciousness was all about.
0: I love it. I not that I want to make this about me, but you're just making me reflect on. I was I was raised Buddhist, and so uh, there was chanting constantly, bringing myself and honestly, my parents into a meditative state. So I feel like I went the opposite direction. And not to say that like Carl Jung isn't a spiritual person; he definitely mm. is, but. I found myself in young adulthood reading about Freud and Jung and reading their their books uh which I feel like two of us going the the opposite directions of, of where we started for similar purposes. Yeah, for of, sure. Uh, mine was like why why are we doing this? Would, and but still exploring consciousness. I mean that's that's the fundamental of what everybody's looking at.
1: Yeah, totally. At the end of the day, you know, it's just Jung about like finding finding what gives you balance, you know, like to me Like I was Mm -hmm. always so overly intellectual and I was trying to find a way to like move and like drop the ego into the heart a little bit, you know, and perhaps you came from a more heart centered place and you were like, I'm ready to blast off on the, on the intellectual side of things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you, um, you were dealing with anxiety at the time. You were, you were, you were wound Mm -hmm. up. Is that what I'm hearing? Mm -hmm. Um, did you find that your meditative meditation practice and your research helped bring <laughs> you down and um, center yourself? Oh, yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. Yeah, it was like... I'm, s- I'm assuming since you've been practicing for 25 years. So, <laughs> like, no, I'm still, still waiting. I'm just very committed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's totally transformative, you know, and continues to be, you know. I think um, at the beginning what I would okay. do is, like, uh, again, remember I was reading out of weird books, but I would just like lay down on the bed and close my eyes and like take a breath and exhale and when I exhaled I would try and relax all the muscles in my body, like as much as I could. And mm-hmm. I would take another breath in and I would exhale and try and relax my muscles even more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And without reading about it or even knowing it, I was doing like a scanning practice and like a labeling practice of recognizing where the tension Mm -hmm. is trying to identify like what's coming from it like what feelings are arising and so i would do that like every night whenever i was getting i'd get in bed at night like do that for you know like 20 or 30 minutes something like that and i begin to notice the more that i did that the more at ease like the actual physical self Mm. began to relax and whenever that happened that of course then created an internal spaciousness which was the earliest steps of being able to look inward and create space between you know mm-hmm. thought and reaction and being able to enter that stream of mindful awareness
0: may I ask like for did you were there deliberate changes that you made or things that you noticed about yourself um, that were because you were able to get relaxed centered, look inward, that then you modified your life in some way or changed your perceptions in some way that you can identify?
1: Yeah, I'm still still doing it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, The earliest ones were really uh, realizing that I had control over what I said, how I acted in certain situations, how I reacted to people in certain situations. Okay. You know, I think prior to that raise of awareness... I like, I think most people feel like this, um, without any inner investigation, you are in a perpetual state of reaction. Yeah. And a lot of us are just stuck Mm. in like a low grade flight or fight mode all the time. We're just in this momentum of just, you know, trying to deal with one thing to the next. And we don't feel like we have any like authorship over our own minds and our own, the way that we present and the way that we uh, express ourselves Mm -hmm. in the world. And, You know, becoming aware of that made me realize that, you know, one of the the defense mechanisms I'd cultivated was trying to be very sarcastic and, you know, like I was like funny but mean spirited in my like responses to a lot of things because it's like a way to, of course, try and feel like superior, safe, but then Mm -hmm. also wrap it in Mm -hmm. humor. So you're like not being an asshole like it. So it it would appear and I realized that that didn't make other people feel good, and it didn't make me feel good, you know, and so I realized I could stop that behavior, you know, and, like, just start changing (laughs) how I was, you know, being in life, and um, as I began to become more aware of the arising impulses and the arising thoughts that were coming to my mind prior to, you know, turning them to action and getting a deeper look, essentially, I started noticing that, like, hmm, you know, a month ago, I wasn't able to see as deeply into what was arising. Now I can see mm-hmm. even more deeply. Now, two months wow. later, I can see even more deeply, and I'm even more self-aware. And that was really inspiring to me, because it was like keeping this, this track, being able to kind of look back and notice, like, wow, like, my mind is changing and expanding for the positive, and then being so like I don't know I'm a, I'm a very like determined and uh, uh like driven person and so then that became the goal is like okay how far can we take mm-hmm. this you know and, I, oh, and I'm still working on it today.
0: <laughs> I mean I, I can only imagine it's a it's an eternal there's there is no end yes. game right and. Um, Practicing presence. I mean, that—that's what you're talking about, right? Is being present with—with with the moment and with—with with your feelings, everything that's coming up, your physiology. And I feel like we are such habitual creatures, and we just, we, we, we develop our safety mechanisms as kids. Uh, sounds like for you and and for me, that sarcasm part keeps us safe and protects us, hurts the people around <laughs> us, but but it keep, keeps our shell up, and um, but uh, but it also keeps us without a, a certain amount of presence we have to be checked out because we wouldn't feel good if we were aware of how we were treating people or what was going on underneath our shell and our vulnerabilities about ourselves um but uh um yeah i and i'm gonna just steer steer away from that for for a little while here i mean still on with the presence but i've had this kind of wild idea for a while about how i think animals are the most habitual it's really hard for i think an animal to have conscious decisions about themselves. You know, self-awareness is is very you know sketchy. Whether or how much they they have of that. And I think the greatest gift we have as humans is how much presence we can assert over ourselves. Which means we don't necessarily have to do our our pre-programmed, um, I don't know. How, however, we're programmed. Um, whether it's genetics, uh, nurture, all that stuff. Um, But then we have the ability to slide into habit very easily as well and only have blips of consciousness, not really remember what happened during that conversation or what that person said or um, choosing how you behave, let alone stillness, practicing presence with yourself and and that that inward looking, which can also happen while you're having that conversation as well. But I just think um, that practice of presence is the greatest gift we have and the fact that we can have so much. And and it, and that it can kind of be like a muscle as well. Um, I think most people working out tend not to ever be done. Like, yep, I got it. <laughs> um, it, it fades away if you're not practicing. It's a, it's a muscle.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and it's free. I mean, that's the funniest thing about it. To me, <laughs> is it like, it's literally free, and it only takes like, 10 to 15. You can do it in 10 to 15 minutes a day. You know, it's wild.
0: So if it's free, how come everybody's not doing
1: Because that? we, are <laughs> people are terrified <laughs> to not avoid what they're feeling. People are—it's a horrifying thought for people, even on a subconscious level, to look at mm-hmm. unfiltered reality—the unfiltered reality about mm-hmm. themselves and life in itso- itself. It's like, you know, if you. Get one glimpse of it, it's like, hmm, what is life really? It's like, oh, I'm gonna get old, I'm gonna get sick, and I'm gonna die, and everything else is gonna die. <laughs> like, well, well, that was the f- truth for me for one day. I'll go back to you know, <laughs> scrolling <laughs> or whatever, and I totally get yeah, it, yeah, and right, I right. totally get it. <laughs> but you know, I think, it, um, it's really s- too harrowing for people, I think, a lot of times, or they think it's going to be to look inward, you know, they right. think it will, and be. then I think, uh. Sorry. No, no, and I was just going to say that, but then if they, they do and they are able to get through that barrier, then they see that that's actually how you let all of that fear out.
0: Right. And, and that's how we arrive at flow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the, the conversation we have with so many people is, uh, you know, 60 or 90 minutes alone with my own thoughts. With me? No, thank <laughs> you. Uh, we, we get that a lot, um, way more than I'm going to be in a small space. Which you know most float tanks these days aren't even small, Um, but uh, yeah, being being with yourself is a very scary idea. Um, Just anecdotally, uh, there was was I think it was three sisters all floating at the same time. Um, Two of the sisters looked at their phones after their floats, and they were getting Instagram stories and messages sent from the other their middle or actually youngest sister the entire time. So. The youngest one would get into their float that you know they'd have the monkey mind, I assume, get annoyed with it, get out, scroll like literally in the float tank, scroll, send, and then uh, go back into their float, pop back up, and that felt i mean it was funny, we had laughs about it for sure, but uh that was scary, yeah. you know the idea that that was a little.
1: Oh, it's true. that's really but, um, it's have just you, tragic. Have you stopped into a photo? Yeah, that's tragic. <laughs>
0: I know. I know, right? I mean, that's the reality yeah. of it. Yeah, um, and and uh, so much as it, you know, whether it's the dopamine drip feeding us that there is no encouragement to spend that even 15 minutes by yourself. Um, it's it's always pick up that phone, get to the screen, get yeah. the drip, and it's all surface level.
1: Totally. Totally. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah no it's uh the the yeah the avoidance of that is crazy but but yeah no i i love I love floating I think it's amazing i i'm uh such a huge fan and I've been a fan for a long time and you know before we were rolling, I was telling you how i mean at least fifteen years ago, way back in the day before float centers, my first floats were uh in a random person's house that I found online that you know just a <laughs> you know, weird little web page. Uh, perfectly safe perfectly yeah bro oh, yeah <laughs> come on we, come take a shower in my bathroom and then you know uh, take your clothes off and hop hop in this this uh this box right. for an hour everything will be fine um yeah that was interesting. and actually that was fun and and everything was fine um but I didn't tell you that right. before that uh so I actually learned about floating from John, like reading programming the Metaprogrammer and, and getting, you know, hearing about John okay. Lilly and stuff. And this was way back before okay. I had the opportunity to try one. So I really wanted to try one for years before I was able to find one. Yeah. And uh, what I used to do was like, I was like, I want to experience this somehow. And so I would fill up the bathtub at home and like turn the lights off like put a towel under the door so that it was like as dark as possible and i would leave the water running like 10 percent on warm and then i would prop open the little stopper like with (laughs) just a tiny little thing so it was draining at the same speed the water was coming in and then i would get like a a wet washcloth and put it over my eyes and then lay down and try and like create my own little float tank and it was i mean it's pretty rad for what it was you know
0: I mean, so you could spend as much time in there basically yeah. as you wanted. You, you, you were still with yourself. You were quiet. How was it different when you actually got into a float tank? I mean, it was
1: a lot better. What did you do? It, it was a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> no way! Yeah. Really? Um, okay. The one, this is kind of weird. Like, the, this is interesting. It's just reminding me of all these old memories. But um, another thing I used to do in there was um, get a wet washcloth. And I would also put it over my entire face. And so, like, I was being suffocated by the... Like, you can't breathe out of the cloth very well. But what it did was I was, like, forcing myself to learn how to breathe, like, super slowly and, like, relax my nervous system into it. So I was, like, that way you're, like, you have to take these breaths. And, of course, you freak out because you feel like you're you're drowning. But I would just, like, teach myself to, like, (laughs) relax into it and learn how to just... Breathe long and deep for like long periods of time.
0: <laughs> and, and what book? That you was to just me
1: being weird. I was just. <laughs> <do you>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did all sorts of. I used to just experiment on my mind and all the time back in the day and just see what, that is what would happen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I, yeah. I know we're talking about floating, but that actually makes me want to steer another direction here. Um, first, may I ask if it's okay? Show sure. me oh, 41. Are? Yeah, 41 sweet and I'm, I'm 40 um i feel like uh so many people curious about the mind um, are doing psychedelics in probably around around their 20s maybe maybe early 30s um and uh, i'm a strong proponent of doing psychedelics mushrooms in particular um ayahuasca i think is amazing as well um later in life as well to kind of kind of break up uh some of the the roads that are paved, the cement is dry, and and create new connections that I think um, feel so important in our youth are actually incredibly important as we get older as well. Do you was was that ever part of your style of introspection? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, especially you know as a uh, younger person, like it, even my teenage years, I was like lots of LSD mm. and mushrooms and things like that, and then um, went on to continue that, and then, you know, with ayahuasca and various other things, and um, I was just, again, you know, if I was, especially when I was really young, I was just trying to do anything I could to, like, mess with my mind, you know? It was like, Mm. even in, like, you know, middle school, I was like, oh, I'll, like, smoke and breathe rubber cement at the same time and see what happens, you know? (laughs) It's like, well, that's interesting. (laughs) Let's, uh, you know, that's a combination, (laughs) log that in the book and move on. Nice. but no, but nice. the you know of course, the healing and expansive properties <laughs> of of psychedelics are you know they were i think uh a a relevant part of my experience but i d- even as a kid, I always used them as uh as like tools like i- n- i d- only had one or two times where I was like with friends just goofing off like mainly it was just yeah. i don 't know I was always just so fascinated with my own consciousness and it's like what's more interesting than just laying down and closing your eyes and like thinking for six hours (laughs) you know what i mean Mm. i
0: i can't say i do i I, that was never Mm. my thing that for six hours (laughs) (laughs) Um, although i think i always did use um drugs as a tool uh like as you described it was always there was something to find or was to to delve into to myself or explore was was always the mission um with very few like like you said with with yeah. friends um, which is also a very special magical thing that's created bonds w- w- with friends deeper than than it would have been otherwise Of by course, all means yeah. um yeah um may i ask what uh your goal is for, for the Float Conference and for your presentation? Yeah,
1: just to move some tickets, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. Go to floatconference.com, buy your ticket, and uh, fly on down. And and actually, come on down. Obviously, I'll be there. And Corey's going to be there. And just talking beforehand, he, Corey seems super excited to meet everybody, talk floating, and um, I think talk about anything. Um, so please, come on down and, and, and meet Corey. And if, if you're a fan, this is totally yeah. a chance. And uh, I... I he sounds like a very, very
1: friendly person. Talk, so yeah, uh, I yeah. am happy to. T- I'm excited to talk about anything. Literally, <laughs> I really am. <laughs> awesome.
0: Yeah. As, as I've already discovered, we we were talking a lot of a lot of audio production stuff beforehand, which was really fun. So I I think there's quite a totally bit of range. Yeah, yeah, humans are fascinating um,
1: creatures. They're good to good to talk to. They always have something interesting to say. <laughs>
0: I love it. It's a great. Attitude. <laughs> Um. So yes. So so your your yeah, presentation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I do just to, before I get to that, like. Um, Please. It really is. If you you know, that's one of the things I focus on a lot. Is like. Everyone is this incredibly deep well of like, fascinating life experience and perspective, and it really is just a matter of being an open enough listener, to be able to create the space for that and like people can feel whenever you create the space Mm -hmm. for that and that comfort is what then gives them the courage to then share who they are and like what they're really about with you and that's why to me I find like everyone fascinating because I just it's my (laughs) it is an important practice to me to just like be spacious and listen and then uh, it's just wild like how if you're actually focusing on the other person it's wild what's in there you know like it's like every person I talk to I'm like I can't believe all that's in there like I just want to know more and more and more and more <laughs> nice <laughs> you, know? um, nice.
0: But you m- should uh, you should open a float center because uh, that's something we talk about a lot of the podcast is people come out of floats and boy they've just had so much time with themselves they have so many ideas so many introspective thoughts and then You're there. And so you could just receive so much (laughs) from what's, yeah. That's almost like a
1: good book idea. Like a premise for a book is like having, you know, taking like a thousand. Uh, interviews of people right after floats, oh, wow. and then compiling <laughs> into kind of what what are the insights, the, sh- the currents of mind that shift based on oh, floating. That is your total right there, currents of mind. You
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, let's crowd let's crowdsource it. Let's do it. That's, that's awesome. Um, because <laughs>
1: yeah, it. like the collective wisdom and perspective of all these people that are fresh out of it. That's like a pretty fertile. You know, area for thought, and and w- and also you could it's do incredible. it based in story too, which of course you know readers are. That's how you draw readers through. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, all right. So back to the to the talk. <laughs> um, so the talk yeah. would be basically, yeah, I'm going to talk about my introduction into floating, like why I was drawn to it in the first place. And then I'll talk about how, at the time, I was studying, you know, meditation, various mindfulness practices, and just general, you know, little Aleister Crowley, you know, <laughs> and you know, various things, um, and how I, you know, sought out uh, the float tanks to try and ease anxiety while exploring consciousness, and that how, at the time, I just it occurred to me in that process to apply active mindfulness and meditation tools during the flotation sessions to try and kind of synergize that work together to then uh, you know reach the goals that I was seeking and through doing those practices repetitiously i noticed like sharp sharp declines in anxiousness and you know intrusive thoughts and reactivity and all of those things and so i'll talk through that experience the kind of the things i did and then the outcome of uh, what happened after that?
0: Okay, excellent. I look forward to it. Um, are you aware of the float research that exists on floating and anxiety? Yeah,
1: I'm somewhat. I'm not surely not even okay. a fraction of as okay. you or people at the the float conference, but I'm aware of some of it. Yeah.
0: But just the fact that that it exists that like the higher your anxiety levels, the the lower your you know the the larger the drop in yeah. anxiety. Like floating, it just brings people to a zero is kind of the the general idea. So. Um, your your story matches really well with. Uh, it, it's always nice because we've always known like this is true, and then it's so nice when the research comes out and, and backs up uh, our experiences. Absolutely. And so, um, we'll will all be excited to hear yours. Um, before we close out, is there anything else you want to share with, with the float community before seeing everybody in person? Uh, no,
1: not really. Just uh, I'm looking forward to doing the talk, to coming and hanging out, and to uh, talking with everyone in the audience about anything that they want. And um, yeah, that, that's it. I'm just looking forward to doing it and to seeing everybody.
0: Awesome. Well, if they would like to hear more of your lovely <laughs> voice and mind, where can they <laughs> Where yeah, can they, they find go you? to
1: Cory-allen.com? There's a lot of stuff there and my all my social things are, "Hey, Corey Allen, and I have a podcast and various things like that. so yeah, come and read things, listen to things, and uh, you know
0: yeah, I'll see. I would definitely encourage go, go to his website it seems like all, all the links are there um books podcast, instagram all all of that so uh definitely check it out and uh definitely say hello to cory in person and um just a couple quick shout outs before we wrap up here i just want to well obviously thank cory again for for joining on the podcast it was a real honor yeah, my thank my you pleasure. so much i enjoy chatting with you thank quite you. a bit and i'm excited to uh talk over beer in person yeah likewise
1: yeah i'm I'm, that's one reason i'm excited to go to louisville is it's like bourbon country so
0: (laughs) yeah you know what i said beer but you know what it it might be a little bit different than that uh not that i think about it uh but yeah we'll have fun (laughs) um and i I just want to give a shout out to our sponsors thank you helmbot for supporting us uh thanks to the fta and of course thanks to the float conference uh really means a lot to keep this moving here And, um, thanks to my other podcast hosts who are not here, but they're always here in spirit for these recordings. And, um, yeah, until next week, gosh, I probably won't have an episode because I'll be at the float conference. I'll see you there.